Welcome to Leadership Reimagined. I'm Dr. Jane Lovis, your host. During each episode of Leadership Reimagined, we take a look at leadership from the vantage point of what it's going to take for leaders to lead their organizations forward into a new future. And in this episode, we're creating that new future. It is my pleasure to introduce best-selling author of Aligning the Dots, host of the Alignment Zone television series, speaker, growth expert, venture capitalist, CEO, entrepreneur, board member, Dr. Felipe Brusso. Dr. Brusso has been in Silicon Valley for 31 years, founding, growing, and running a number of businesses. He's the founder and CEO, or he was the founder and CEO of G2i, a Unix software company. He managed the Milestone Group for half a decade, he also founded and ran Apple's Worldwide Internet Commerce Group, where he ran the online Apple Store and grew its revenue from zero to $350 million under Steve Jobs. Today, the online store generates over $25 billion for Apple. Dr. Busso was a general partner in two venture capital firms and has served on 21 boards of directors, including the three that he's on today. During his management consulting career, he led over 210 management consulting projects. Dr. Rousseau is currently the CEO of Blue Dots Partners, a firm focused on helping companies with over 10 million in revenue grow faster using a unique, universal, data-driven, and prescriptive methodology. methodology. Please welcome Dr. Rousseau to love it, to leadership, I'm going to re say that. Please welcome Dr. Brousseau to Leadership Reimagined. Welcome. Thank you, Jane. It's a pleasure being on your show, and thank you for inviting me. Oh, you are so welcome, and I am so excited. One, I, I just, I thought the name of your company was so neat, Blue Dots, and so I'm just making up that you're out to help CEOs and leaders connect the dots. Yeah, and I think it's a bit more than connecting, it's really aligning the dots that's harder. Um, and by the way, the name Blue Dots came, comes from a Philip Patek watch where the jewel bearings, um, which are the little sapphire stones that are holding all the gears are actually blue. And um, in fact, I've never seen a watch with blue jewel bearings. So I actually ended up calling Patek Philippe in Geneva in Switzerland. And I asked them, I said, well, why are they blue? And the guy on the phone told me that it was a special anniversary model. So they decided to have them in blue. Typically they are red or yellow. And, uh, and it was interesting on the phone, he says, and did you know there's a Rolex watch that has one with green jewel bearings, which I've actually never seen. Those jewel bearings are critical to create and maintain an alignment of all the fine gears between the two plates. And alignment is what we're all about. And this is why we decided to name the firm Blue Dots uh, because of those jewel bearings in that particular watch. Oh, so that is so name. interesting. And yes, I agree. Alignment is so critical because you can be, you can have a really great idea and you can share it with people and you can go all over the place with it mm -hmm. and not get anywhere. That's right. So when, when you think about alignment, I know you've got different areas of alignment. What are those areas of alignment? Yeah, so first of all, why is alignment important? Uh, it's because 
you cannot grow successfully a business and you cannot lead a business if you're not growing that business. If your business is not growing faster than your competition, then they are growing faster. They are taking market share from you and you're on the path to become irrelevant uh, and eventually die as a business if you, know, if you don't pay attention. So growth is really, really important. And it's true, even if you have a business that cannot grow significantly for some constraints. So for example, if you're a dentist or if you're a restaurant owner, you know, you're not going to grow your revenue by a huge factor because there's only a number of tables you can put in your restaurant and you can only increase your price by a certain amount. Now you still have to grow. What you charged 10 years ago cannot be the same as what you charge today just because of inflation. And so, and, and by the way, if there is a competitor, a competitor that's opening a restaurant next door that has a better food and better price, better service, then you're going to be in trouble. You know, the first observation is that growth is really important. And in fact, Bracken Darrell, the CEO of Logitech, you know, told me not too long ago, he said, you know, there is only growth or death. And if you're not growing your business, then, you know, you're in trouble. Now, the question is, you know, what do I do on Monday morning at eight o'clock to grow my business? And that's a very deceptively simple question, but really hard to answer. It's a little bit like saying, what do I do on Monday morning at eight o'clock to be a good parent? Well, you know, where do you even start to answer that question? So what the epiphany that we had when we studied Blue Dots, uh, John and I, my partners, John and I, was that the maximum growth rate of a business compared to the target market, so it's always relative to the market that you're after, can only be achieved when your business is perfectly aligned with that target market. It is truly a matter of alignment. And in fact, it's the misalignment between your business and your target market that makes the business slow down. The same way if you misalign the gear in that watch that we talked about earlier, then your watch will slow down and eventually stop ticking. So alignment is the key and it's the, really the secret to grow any business. The question then is, well, what does it mean to be aligned with my target market? There are four universal axes of alignment between any business and its target market. And the stunning fact is that those four alignments are absolutely universal. So I can take a cafe on the left bank in Paris. I can take a startup here in Silicon Valley where I am. I can take a mid-sized company in Florida or a Fortune 500 company headquartered in the heart of Manhattan. And then, Jen, I can take your business, the same. You still have to align along those four universal axes. And let me tell you very quickly what they are. The first one is that the pain of the customer and the claim that the business makes to address that pain have to be aligned. So Jen, imagine you come to me and you say, I have a headache and I show you a stomachache pill. Well, your pain and my claim are not aligned. You will never buy my pill and you shouldn't. That's the first axis. The second one is that the message, which is the expression of the claim and the perception, which is the understanding of that claim have to be aligned. So let's say I have a pill for your headache and it costs 99 cents. It'll be gone in 10 minutes. And let's assume I describe it to you in Korean, assuming you don't speak Korean. You're like, what the heck is this guy talking about? You will never buy the pill because you don't understand what I'm saying, even though it's the perfect product for you. So that's the second axis. The third one is the way customers want to buy and to acquire the product or the service. And the way that product or service is sold in the marketplace have to be aligned. So if I say, Jen, I have, you, I have a pill for you. It's going to, you know, cure your headache very quickly, but you have to fly here in the, you know, in the Bay Area and there is a pharmacy here in Palo Alto where I am where you need to get the pill. And you're like, well, wait a minute, you know, why, why can I just go to Washington where I am and just walk to a pharmacy and buy your pill? Because that's what you expect. So that's the third axis of alignment. And then the fourth axis is my favorite one called I stole it out of the Apple playbook. So you mentioned in your introduction that I spent sometimes at Apple and 
And I studied the internet commerce group and the online store, and I worked directly for Steve Jobs for about a year. And in fact, I, I'm sure if you wonder how I lost my hair, now you have the answer. <laughs> um, but it was a really interesting experience. And after I left Apple, I realized that there is one and only one single business on this entire planet. I realized that everybody is in the same business. There's no two businesses or three, there's just one. And that unique business, which we're all in, is the manufacturing and delivery of delight. And mm. let me say that again, because this is profound. We are all in one single business, which is we have to manufacture and we have to deliver delight. And so what happens is when you buy a product, you have a certain delight expectation. As you consume that product from discovery all the way to disposal, that delight expectation has to be met. There cannot be a misalignment between what you expect and what's delivered to you. And that's the fourth axis of alignment. So if you perfectly align your business along four axes, you will grow as fast as you can. And those four axes are the pain and the claim have to be aligned. The message and the perception have to be aligned. Purchase and sale have to be aligned. And expected delight and what's delivered has to be aligned. And if you align your business perfectly along those four axes, you will grow as fast as you can within your target market. And that's what alignment is so critical to growth and growth cannot happen without alignment. That is so powerful. And I think most of us as business owners are pretty clear on the first three. Yes. I'm just imagining that most of us think that we sort of got that fourth one, you know, customer service. That's, that's what we're talking about, right? Except I'm hearing something very different when you talk about delight than customer, because customer service is like, we're good enough. And you're really talking about raising the bar for that. Yeah. And it's also understanding what is the customer expecting. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that expectation delivered by you as a business, you actually, you set that expectation. Now, a lot of business don't understand and don't really think about that, but the expectation doesn't come out of nowhere. So if I go to a three-star Michelin restaurant in Paris, or if I go to McDonald's, I would argue that the product is the same. You're basically essentially putting food in your stomach. Mm -hmm. Same product. Now, as you walk into the three-star Michelin restaurant or you walk into the McDonald's, your expectation of what you're going to get is vastly, vastly different, which commands a different pricing, obviously. Now, McDonald's doesn't set the expectation in my head that I'm going to have the same service as a three-star Michelin restaurant and the same, likewise, Conversely, the three-star Michelin restaurant doesn't say you're going to have a 99-cent you know, you know, meal. And so what I always advise companies is, is instead of rushing to change your product or your service, which is the first natural reaction, I said, just hold on and understand what expectation are you truly setting in the head of your prospects? What are they expecting before they start using your product? And that's a lot cheaper and easier to change to realize that alignment as opposed to changing your product, and then you're still not mastering the expectation that you're setting. So it's a completely different way of thinking, which is what do I want people to expect and how can I change that so that now it becomes aligned with what I'm actually going to deliver. And in fact, if I can deliver slightly above expectation, it's even better. Not a lot more, because if it's a lot more than expectation, then you should increase your pricing. And that's how you arbitrage your price. But that's the combination of the two things. And again, to align those two points, you can change one, or you can change the other one. And changing expectation is a lot more efficient and cheaper than changing your product. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I, I really get that, that if you, you know, knowing what your customers expect and giving them 
a little bit more. And then as you get, as things move, then you can up it a little bit and up your prices because they've expected and they, and now they have a trust. That's right. That, that delivering delight engenders a real trust. That's right. I mean, trust is the currency that allows the transaction. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that, then the transaction doesn't happen. And not only that, but negative words about your business spreads, and then that impairs your growth. So you're absolutely right. And the way to establish that trust is to say, if you buy my product, you're going to enjoy X, Y, and Z benefits. And as they buy it and as they consume it, they enjoy X, Y, and Z benefits, not more, not less. And that's how they can come back and say, when they buy the next product, say, well, I trust you because that's what I experienced on the first product and I want to buy more. So you're absolutely right. Trust is really the key that enables, you know, trust is the measurement of that alignment between expected delight and what's delivered. That is that that is so critical because because we all hear those horror stories about I bought this and it was it wasn't even like close to what I expected. Businesses can go downhill very quickly when that happens. Absolutely. And it takes a lot to recover. So my best example of, of a massive misalignment between what's expected and what was delivered is, is a company called Theranos, which you probably ever heard of, that mm-hmm. was studied by Elizabeth Holmes. Uh, she dropped out of Stanford in 2003 and studied the company. And the idea was, I can run dozens of blood tests of one single drop of blood. So I don't need to puck your, your, your arm I'm going to extract one single drop of of blood from the prick of your finger, and then I'm going to run dozens of blood tests. Really neat idea. The problem is that it didn't work. The the tests were inaccurate, and it was a massive case of fraud. And in fact, she was convicted uh, last year uh, for for fraud, and uh, she's now awaiting sentencing, I think, which is happening uh, this summer. Um, But that's a massive misalignment because you're expecting, okay, they're going to run all those blood tests of one single drop of blood. Who doesn't want to do that? And of course, the tests were inaccurate and it was fraud. And so the the daylight was not not there. And the company went into massive amounts of problems and and billions of dollars lost. Massive misalignment there, for sure. (laughs) Very, because you also have an expectation that the, the tests are going to be run accurately. You know, there's all of those expectations around that yeah not only that i mean it's your health i mean so for example they told a pregnant woman that she couldn't have a baby and it wasn't true because the test results were were off so you know it's not only okay i buy you know a pencil and it doesn't work i'm not happy it's like you know you're telling me i have this condition which i don't or you're not telling me that i have that condition and i have it i mean you're talking about you're talking about you know precious lives and and Mm -hmm. healthcare. i mean you know, impact on people's life in a big, big way. And yes. so that's an extreme case, obviously, but but I think it makes the point. We all ex- experience those little, those small erosions of delight. Yeah. And sometimes, so and lately, the challenge is they get real public. Yeah. So you really want to be careful as, a, mm-hmm. as yeah. an organization. Now, you can be very successful in, de- in selling a product that's, that's not great. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, you can, you can sell, uh, you can be an airline, for example, and you say, you know, there's no service, uh, there's no bathroom on the plane. Um, that's the way it is. But, you know, the ticket costs $100 instead of $500 on United. And so if the expectation is set at the right time, some people will elect to do that and they'll be, they'll be delighted because it's like, yeah, I, there was no bathroom, but it was a 45 minute flight and I only pay $22. And right. there's a market for that. So 
the light doesn't need to be an Apple-like experience. It just needs to be set at the right level so that you decide that's what I want. And indeed, that's what you're going to get. And, and again, that's the alignment. The alignment doesn't say you have to have the best product. The alignment says, whatever you sell, you have to make sure that you communicate clearly what the product does and doesn't do and let people then decide if they want to buy it. But if they do, they will have the experience that they understand they're going to get. There's no surprise. And that's a critical piece because that that also allows for a variety of different experiences mm-hmm. and right. for different pricing models because, okay, we're going to do this, do it this way, and you're not going to get all the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. And not everybody needs all the bells and whistles. One, you're not then paying for bells and whistles you don't need. Yeah, pricing gets adjusted. So when you're looking at, you know, when you're talking to clients about this now, with the challenges that they're having, that so many companies are having with um, employee engagement and hiring and, you know, the innovation that's just almost needs to be constant in organizations. Mm -hmm. How does this this alignment support this? Yeah, so it's a really, really good question. Um, When I talked about alignment, I specifically talked about alignment between the business and its target market and Mm -hmm. those four axes that I described. This is what I call the external alignment. How do I align my business with my target market? There is a fifth axis of alignment. So it's really four plus one, and that's the internal alignment. So if the team isn't internally aligned to execute the four external alignments, growth will not happen. The company will not be successful. So then the question is, what do I need to do as a leader, as a business leader, as a CEO, to make sure that my team is internally aligned so that they they can execute these those four external alignments and the answer is you know, they have to have clarity on what we are trying to do, which is what the four external alignments bring. They bring clarity of what we need to align as opposed to just having a vague term that says we need to be aligned with the market. And then the other thing is they need to understand the purpose of the business and have the why and the mission. And so I nobody gets up in the morning or very, very few people get up in the morning and says, well, I'm getting up because I need to do my work because I need a paycheck. Now that happens, but it's pretty rare. People want to get up in the morning and says, I'm so happy and delighted to work for that company because we're changing the world, because we're making a difference. They have an answer to the why. And that really is the motivation that will make them want to do a good job. And then the four alignment is really the processes and the tools that they need to understand how they're going to produce that alignment. But the motivation is all around the why and the purpose. And many, many business don't think about why do we even exist? What's the purpose of this company? And that's not communicated employees make their own whys. Everybody has a different view. There is no alignment. Um, And then the company doesn't grow as fast as they could because of those misalignments. So I think it really revolves around that mission statement and that that value and that why. And and that's what motivates people far more than money. One of the things I talk about is that your vision isn't a statement. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to have your vision statement and your mission statement. And that's not really what enrolls your employee. That's right. Because they really want to know, okay, why is this important? Yeah. And what do we stand for? What's important to us? Why are we doing this? And some people will agree and rally and be part of the team and others won't. And that's fine. I call that helping them thrive someplace else. Every company is not the right company for every person. That's right. Yeah. When when Steve Jobs came back to Apple in 97, he was a big mess. Um, And he had a clear vision of where he wanted to take the company. And he has a lot 
lot of cleanup and he let a lot of people go. He said, look, this is where I'm taking the company. I see that you are not agreeing or you don't believe in it. That's fine. But you don't belong here because I don't want people who are not agreeing with this vision and where we're going. And that's okay. You can leave. And in fact, you shouldn't stay because you're going to be in the way. Um, and that was very eff effective. And many people left. Um, and, and the people who stay, a lot of them are still at Apple today. I mean, because because he's been realizing that vision and he was very clear where he wanted to take the business. And, and as a CEO, when you have that level of clarity of where you're going and why you're why this is important to you also as a CEO mm -hmm. is a lot of times you hear these very intellectual vision and mm -hmm. it's like, but why is this as the CEO? Why is it important to you right. what you're doing? I think there's even a deeper question is to the CEO is why are you doing this? What is your motivation? You can ask CEOs you work with, and many don't really have a clear answer to that. They haven't really thought through this. You know, it's kind of, they became CEO kind of by accident. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, being a CEO is really, really hard. I, I've been a CEO several times and I work with CEOs every day. It's a very tedious, you know, laborious job, very lonely. You have to have a strong motivation to do it. You can't just do it because by accident, that's just not going to sustain. And, and, that's another why that's really important to answer to the for the CEOs is why am I doing what I'm doing fundamentally? Otherwise, other things get in the way. And you lose your motivation because mm -hmm. it's really, really hard. You need you need a star, you need a North Pole, you need a direction, you need a compass. Otherwise, you're gonna lose your way. And that's so easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking with a with a CEO. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a, call, a friend of mine, and they were just spinning around, you know, with, with everything that's going on. So we had to get them really back focused on why are you doing this? What's the impact you want to have? What, right. why is this important to you? And get them out of that spinning so they could focus and yeah. bring everybody with them. As a CEO, if you lose focus... Then it's amplified. The yes. whole organization is not going to get focused, for sure. Yeah, actually, you use that word, the F word, the focus word. I think that um, it's one of the lessons I learned from Steve. Uh, Steve Jobs was the most intensely focused person I've ever met. I mean, he was so focused. I would argue that the number one cause of death of startups and companies and businesses is because of lack, lack of focus. It's not because of lack of funding. They cannot get money because they are unfocused. They cannot, you know, they cannot decide how to spend, you know, the dollar of marketing or the dollar of sales uh, to attract a new customer because they want to do so many things and they, mm -hmm. and they dilute everything. And then at the end of the day, they don't do anything and they die. Um, you know, it's the ability to say no to 50 things, you know, that makes great company great. Apple doesn't do, they don't, we don't have, a, the company doesn't have 55 products, you know. We have a watch, we have a desktop, and, you know, we have an iPhone, and that's pretty much it. Um, mm -hmm. And they're clear I, that they don't do everything for everybody. Yeah, that's right. Back to the delight expectation we talked about earlier. That's absolutely right. Some people say it's too expensive. And I said, that's fine. Then don't buy and mm -hmm. buy another phone. And there's nothing wrong with that. That giving up all the things that you could do for the one, two, and if you're a startup, for the one thing that you can thing. do. Yeah, and that you can do really, really well. It's like, what is this? The, if there's only, and what do you think is the one thing you can do really well compared to everybody else? And if they don't have a clear answer to that, they need to find the answer they need to find something if they say you know i can sell this and be 25 percent cheaper than anybody else it's like then fine that that's your that's your uniqueness and go for that and just just position everything around that pricing um if it's speed then that's what you need to advertise and market and don't worry about anything else
And in fact, you should say, yes, we are much faster than anybody else, but this is the trade-off. We don't have this. Now, if you're looking for this, then what the wrong, this is not our product. It's not what we do. And if, mm -hmm. speed, if you don't care about speed, then you don't buy from us. I tell, I tell CEOs that come to us, I said, if you don't care about growth, then, or if you're happy with your growth rate, you're going to grow at 50% every year for the next two years, and you're sure you can execute your growth plan. You don't need us and that you're doing great. And I have, in fact, I commend you for that. I have a lot of respect for that. You don't have to buy from us if you don't need us. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, Sheila, if you can imagine, our time is just about up. I always know when I'm happy having a fabulous conversation because the time goes so fast. Yeah. So you. what's one last piece of advice that you would like to share? Well, I think the last piece of advice is just, you know, three things. It's, it's, it's really alignment. So first of all, align your business with your market. The second thing is align your organization behind the execution of those four alignments. And then the third one is align yourself with who you are truly and what you want to do and, and why you're doing this. And if you execute those three alignments you will thrive and you will be very successful as a business and then you'll be happy and content and, and proud and you should be um, but again it's really all about alignment it's that's the key for everything that's so critical thank you dr brissot this has been fabulous thank you jane thank you again for having me on your show oh you are so welcome Thank you for joining us this week on Leadership Reimagined. I encourage you to take something that you heard today and apply it in your business. The key to progress is action and sharing. I'd love to hear what you accomplish. Email me at jlovis at lovisconsulting.com and let me know. Speaking of applying it in your business, if you're struggling or looking to expand your leadership skills, let's talk. You can go to lovisconsulting.com. That's L-O-V as in Victor, A-S, consulting.com, and schedule a quick call with me. We need powerful, strong, compassionate leaders to solve the challenges we are facing today. Please subscribe on your favorite platform and share with your friends and family. Thank you for supporting us as we cause and expand 1 million women leaders in tech by 2030. Have a great week, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.